Hey friends, it is uh, Greg and Scott and Zach with Corner Church in Minneapolis, and uh, we are in the middle of a flip-flop series where uh, we each share a message at all three Corner Church locations, and uh, so today I am going to be sharing kind of what I've been wrestling with. I would say it's probably 70%, uh, so it'll be interesting and fun, but it'll definitely be behind the message and some of the thought gone into it. Um, so let's jump right in. Why? Why do you have to do that? Uh, thanks for giving me a title on the top of my message here. Did you write that? No, I didn't write yours. Someone did. No, I didn't. Uh, I didn't actually write it. You wrote it. Oh yeah, I did write that. On oh yours. my gosh. Great flip flop. So I've kind of been in this. Uh, I've been trying to be really intentional with um, meeting people with different backgrounds and experiences and stuff. And so I got invited to go to Arizona um, for a conference. It was called Rethink Poverty, Urban Entrepreneurship, and how the church and entrepreneurs can help address poverty in their neighborhoods. And so I felt a lot of pressure to talk about uh, social justice and just like justice in general. Um, But as I've been writing this, it's really kind of refocused at our identity. And so I feel like part of this message, I feel like it's a little disconnected. So we're just going to jump in and kind of talk through the process. And this, I think this will help me clarify exactly what I want to share. But I want to start off with everyone thinking, um, like, it feels really good to be the hero. And it's kind of funny, Scott was talking about in his message. Uh, you can look at that previous to this one um, about that being the hero, just it feels good. And like, I'm the type of person that when Kelsey is gone and occasionally I get the urge to clean and and then I clean the kitchen and she comes home. I'm purposely like sitting on the couch, like a big smile, just waiting for her to notice because like I was her hero. I cleaned the kitchen for her. Uh, She's usually not as excited as I am. Mm -hmm. Um, But like being good at sports was always important to me, being the hero of my team, hitting the home run at the right time hitting the tackle at the right time, um, coming into the coffee shop at the right time while the barista is being crushed. Like I'm the hero. I get to step in and help. Like those, we have, we have coffee shops. Yeah. We have three coffee shops. And it's not, Greg is not just going in when it's really busy <laughs> to random coffee shops and going, hi, I can make a latte. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, I love being seen in those moments. It's not even just like being the hero, but it's being seen as the hero. And so uh, maybe I was just going to ask you guys, um, when was the last time you were somebody's hero? It could be yeah. big I or think small. The funny thing about this is that I, so I grew up in Minnesota. Greg and Zach did not grow up in Minnesota. We have often, we talk about how Minnesotans have issues about the idea of the last piece of a last cookie on a plate or the, to be the t- person who takes the first cookie off of a plate. Minnesotans will not. Uh, Minnesotans are really good at being very, very nice, but it's very not very good at follow through and being really nice. So it's like, it's so nice to meet you. We should, we would love to have you over for dinner. Yeah, that would be great. And then we just celebrate the idea, but never, ever, ever do it. It comes down to a lot of the, you know, it's like, I would love to have people over, but I'm, my house isn't clean. Or I'd love to have people over, but I don't think I can make good enough food. And we, I don't know, we're just, Minnesotans have issues. And so when I think a Minnesotan, which Greg is not, Zach is not, uh, when was the last time you were someone's hero? People will 
uh, may talk about when someone else was their hero, but uh, it'll be very funny and interesting and complicated how people respond to this because most people I think will say, I don't know if I've ever been somebody's hero. I love being people's heroes. I love it when people save my day, <laughs> but I don't think I've ever been someone's hero. I feel like that's going to be the Minnesota answer. Oh yeah. Even in myself, I feel like, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure it happened. I just don't know when it was, you know. <laughs> Somebody's got some story, but... Are you uh, from Minnesota? You know, I just... No, you know. There's one other aspect of this that I think will rise to the surface quickly is that you you talked about it a little bit when Kelsey comes home after you've done some cleaning, is that there's something that makes me feel a weird disproportionate amount of rage is when I go over and above to be a hero to somebody and it is poorly received or ill-received or, or not noticed. unappreciated. Yeah. It's like, look! I folded the laundry and my wife goes, I fold the laundry every day. <laughs> and I go, I will never fold the laundry again. And so, <laughs> anyway, yeah. it, but hero asking somebody about their own hero ship is going to stretch a Minnesotan. Uh, and so I think I see it in me and I think maybe it's like a level of insecurity of like, I don't know, just wanting to be recognized, wanting to be seen, uh, and I think if we operate in that hero aspect all the time, we really start to oversimplify compassion. And I think in turn, we start to oversimplify humanity or like who people are. Um, like, I guess you guys can see it. The podcast can't see it. But there's like this image of this. Uh, she looks like an orphan girl from the East somewhere. And on it says, you can feed this hungry child for six cents. And I think this image kind of exemplifies those things that, that scare me about compassion. Uh, it kind of wholly becomes about us and how what we can do and who we are and how we feel because of that. And so I was going to ask the question before even diving into it too much, but um, what are some possible consequences to this approach to compassion? This looking at uh, you can feed this hungry child. And when I look at it, like I think most people don't think about it, but like there's dirt on her face, her hair's unbrushed, there's dark shadows under her eyes, like all these things. And like, how would you feel if you, this picture was taken of you? I think it's a kid trying to get in. But how would you feel if like this unflattering picture of you was taken? Hey, dude. Welcome. We're, we're hanging out in here right now. But the question is, is like if your picture was taken in your worst moment and then shared for the world to see, like how would that make you feel? The girls in this picture, she's not even identified. Um, she's in this moment being purely defined by what she lacks. She's known as hungry and that's who she is. That's her whole definition. And you and I are the solution. And uh, I can't help but wonder how I would feel feel if I was always portrayed by like the things that are wrong with me or the things that I lack or the issues that I faced in the past. Like if you were defined by what you lacked, by your problems, by the things that happened to you, what would that, who would you be? Like, what would your identity be? The first thing that comes to mind for me is that in Minnesota, about seven or eight years ago, there was a campaign on you can help homeless children and they had billboards and they had things on gas station pumps and all this stuff. Did Sarah and, McLaughlin say some sad yeah. words behind No, but music? the the picture of the girl was Ellie Brunel, 
who her and her family came to our church and Ellie was not poor, but uh, her aunt was the publicist for this ad campaign. And so Ellie with a little sad face was the face of child poverty in Minnesota, yeah. which is okay. Uh, she's cute. And I hope it spurred on a lot of action, but every time I would see that it was confusing obviously to me and my kids were little and they thought, is Ellie okay? <laughs> and, and so the, like when we, we look at those pictures, it's, it's exactly what you're saying. But if my picture unbeknownst to me was the picture of, you know, irrelevant pastor, we could help them. <laughs> <laughs> Clueless men of God. Uh, and all of a sudden I saw my picture on a billboard. Uh, it would be, be crushing. It would just, what a weird, weird thing. Yeah. And it's not wholly like what it does to that person. Like this girl, she may never know, may never see, but it, it does something in us when we are identifying people by the things that they don't have or identifying people by the things that are wrong with them. Um, we define ourselves by what we have and then others by what they lack. And we are the solution to their problem. So it, it screws with our view of identity of ourselves, our identity of others, and really in turn our identity with God. Um, we do things like calling people homeless people, like their whole identity is tied up into the fact that they don't have a home at the end of the night. Um, we, we post pictures of missions trips and service projects. And we use terms like alcoholics to, to group entire groups of people. And we're in turn defining them by those things, those issues that they have and rather identifying them as the people, the way that God sees them and the way that we are supposed to see it. Mm -hmm. um, they're not bad things inherently, like raising money to feed uh, children is not a bad thing. Uh, but it's also maybe not quite compassion. Um, and, you know, Jesus in Matthew says, don't sound your own trumpet. Don't do all these things. Uh, you know, when you do something good, do it in secret and, like I said, I think it's really about our identity and how we view people matters and in turn how we view ourselves matters. Um, making sure that we're not viewing people as projects to be solved, but rather people to be loved. And it made me think a lot about Genesis 3. And there's this whole story in Genesis 3 of uh, Eve and Adam and they eat this fruit. And uh, it's it's like the initial sin. And, and there's a whole story. You should read it. But really, like I want to focus on this moment when they eat this fruit. They realize that they're naked. They go hide behind a bush. They start to view themselves as the problem. They start to view themselves as in terms of what they lack rather than the way that God views them. And so in turn, they realize their nakedness. They hide. And then God comes and he calls for them. He says, where are you? And I don't have kids, but I've been around kids enough that if you're angry and you're yelling, that's, where that's are what, you? That's what a non-parent always says. <clears throat> <laughs> I don't ask them. But I've, I've seen heard. kids before. <laughs> I was a nanny for four years. Okay. I was a child once. <laughs> uh, and I realized the hardships. Oh my goodness. These guys. Uh, but if you yell, like, where are you at a kid? They're they're not coming out of hiding. You don't even have to be mean about it. If my kid's doing something wrong and I nicely <laughs> say, where are you? Yeah. Come on. We need no, to. You, you don't even say that. Just when, if you just go. Cam. Cam. <laughs> well, she's a hider. <laughs> uh, but the, the crazy thing is that they respond. So God says, where are you? They come out and they share with God that they're ashamed. They realize that they're naked. They 
had this moment of identity and identifying themselves by what they lack. And uh, God has like the most amazing response. And it's really stuck with me this week. He, he simply responds by saying, who told you that? Hmm. Like Adam and Eve, who told you that you were naked? And, and I think that's often the response that God has to us. When we view ourselves by what we lack, we view ourselves by our problems. We say, I can't do that. I struggle with depression or I struggle with anxiety or uh, I'm never, I can never be a pastor because it just seems like something so lofty in my life doesn't look like my ideal thought of what a pastor's life looks like. Or I can be a mom or all these different things. We say, I can't do that. I can't be that. And we do it to others. We say, you know, they're homeless. We put them in that camp. They're never going to be real people because they don't have a home. And uh, I think God the whole time is like saying, who told you that? The power of perceived negative brand. It's like when you, the the comedic one is like when you ask somebody, what college do you go to? And they say, University of Minnesota, point blank. But when they say, well, right now I'm going to Anoka Community College and I'm just to save some money. Mm-hmm. And um, then I'm going to transfer it like this long explanation because there's a perceived reality that it's a, it's a, it's a negative thing that I'm yeah. a junior college person. And so when you say, you know, um, you know, tell me about your family and something about your family doesn't fit into the positive brand. You know, it's like, well, actually, you know, we start to really explain away and that what it really teaches us to do is to be liars. Mm-hmm. And uh, to n- one thing that we can know for certain is if you don't fit into a positive brand, uh, you hide it at all cost. And that's because yeah. that's what they're living out. They're just walking in this moment like we were scared because we were naked. And that response is beautiful. Well, who told you that? Who told you that going to a junior college? or your parents are divorced, or you have addiction in your past. Who told you that you're a bad person because of those things? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this whole branding thing, uh, I think in the ideal world of uh, compassion, we wouldn't have any this this kind of branding because our compassion wouldn't be based on back to the heroism point. We're not trying to be someone's hero. I think about seventh grade me who had the, the like fantasy. Yeah. Oh man. The fantasy of the girl I had a crush on, like, Oh, she's, you know, what if she was like getting beat up by a guy (laughs) and I walked in just as it was happening and I was going to save her life. And then we're going to be together and imagining that that's a silly version of how we do compassion today. Hmm. We want to be that kind of hero and uh, imagine what our life would look like if God's compassion operated that way, Hmm. that he was just looking to be the hero he didn't actually care about us as the people that he made us to be. He was only there for our response. That's a big thought for me. Like, oh, man. And yet I still easily try and be this hero. Uh, and in that comes the branding. Yeah. And the impact of seeing God as being that swoop in is not who he is either. And that has big impact in us. Yeah. Because... Yeah. When I hear, or I feel it in myself, or I see other people go, you know, God mustn't, doesn't care, he doesn't exist. And he, he didn't swoop in and prevent this interaction with Adam and Eve had. He didn't prevent it, but he, uh, he was then present with them after the fact, which would, that would be the, 
God can't be real because he didn't allow this or didn't stop this from happening. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm trying to sum that up into (laughs) some sort of question that says, what I have right now is who told you that you weren't valued or made in God's image? Because I want want to have a moment of personal reflection um, before we move into a communal application. Is it, is it the question it's, I mean, it can be the person or the moment, but um, I think people will have that. But if you ask the question of what happens inside of you when you're told you're not valuable, mm, that's you're not made in God's image. Because I, like I, I would, yeah, I, I could name names, <laughs> but uh, where I was at after human colored ceiling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, uh, but what I felt from that, and then it, how did I recover? Did I recover from that? Is and then just the conclusion with thinking forward, and you guys actually brought it up while we were talking about it. Is uh, that's the hero isn't who Jesus is? He didn't. The hero is what the Israelites expected. The hero isn't who Jesus is. And I had written it further. I don't probably won't include it, but I was thinking what started this thinking was the difference between a hero, a villain and an advocate and how a hero is someone that's for people. A villain is someone that's against people and an advocate is somebody that's with people that works with people. Hmm. And uh, I can't help but think about how Jesus, he, he over and over again, we see that, you know, I think Jesus came and so much of me wants to think Jesus came so that he would be known. And uh, I think he actually came so that we would be known. Uh, He came so that God can know each of us. And that's why rather than go to the mountaintop and show people that he healed blind people, oftentimes he told them not to tell anybody Yeah, Yeah. because it was about the person being healed and less about Jesus. It's weird to think that Jesus came not for, not because of Jesus, but Jesus came because of us. And that original thing that happened when God says to Adam and Eve, who told you that? God's response to that is Jesus coming to earth so that we could actually be known in God. Uh, He was willing to be misunderstood, (coughs) overlooked. Um, He was the God of the universe who chose to walk alongside of us and was okay going unnoticed Um, by a lot of circumstances at his time, he would have been, unknown and forgettable and uh he was willing to be that so that you and i could be known so it's going to end with something along the lines is how does it under how does understanding your identity in christ affect the way you view yourself and others it's interesting with the picture of advocate versus hero uh when jesus is with his disciples in john's account and jesus is telling them uh, unless i go the Holy Spirit won't come. And the word that he uses to represent the Holy Spirit is comforter. And uh, that even within that definition, advocate is actually one of the main ideas Uh, because he could have said, you know, if if I don't leave, then the Holy Spirit, the hero won't show up. He said, no, the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the advocate, the one who is with you, uh, not just the one who is for you. Uh, That's a big piece of identity that if we only ever see Jesus as someone who is for us, but he's not actually with us, that really affects our our theology, how we live our life. We think he's a distant person. Uh, but then when we see him as someone who is with us, as we've explored over the last year in Matthew, Jesus being God with us, 
then we can understand how that affects his compassion toward us. And then we can see others as not others. They're also people who have God with them, mm-hmm. not just for them. And then we can in turn be with people instead of just for them. Mm-hmm. The, the moment when God goes, who told you this? I don't know, like, you know, me being a parent, uh, I think my asking that would be really tied together that that's, you're wrong. I, I didn't tell you that. That's not, I, I know who you really are and that that's not really who you are. Who told you that? And, and so to, to walk away, not just understanding Christ and his love or view or our view of ourselves, but to understand Christ's view of us is, is so important. And uh, all the things that we've been told, you know, if, if somebody has been told uh, you, you never get things right, you always fall short. You're not cool enough, pretty enough. You're not engaging enough, all these things that you're told. And then to just say Jesus in that midst of all of those things is going, who told you that? And then to just stop and listen and to see you ask Jesus the question, well, then what am I? Who am I? And to listen to his answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, that sounds very spiritual or maybe like I would ask that question. I sit there in silence, but I really think that uh, not just through the Bible and not just through Christians. I think that that's something that we can really just stop and listen, ask that, pray that question. If, if I'm not X, all these bad things I've been told, then who, who am I? And then just sit there and listen to it. Well, that's all I got. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. If you would ever love, if you're ever in Minneapolis, we'd love to share a cup of coffee with you, either on a Sunday morning or during the week. So feel free to reach out. And uh, yeah, take it easy.